Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. I'm Mark Willard, and this is Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile, an official San Francisco Giants podcast. In season one, we looked back at some of the most iconic moments in franchise history. Now, it's time to focus on the present and future. We'll cover memorable wins and the off-field moments, interests, and personalities of the 2021 Giants team and staff. Join us for Season 2 of Inside Giant Moments, now. We've been waiting a long time for this moment, the moment when the world felt open again, open enough for all to enjoy a ball game with a capacity crowd on hand. On June 25th, with the A's hopping across the bay, Oracle Park opened its doors to a full crowd for the first time in almost two years. This meant a lot of things to a lot of people, particularly inside the Giants organization. Quite a lot of planning goes into a transition like this, as detailed by team president and CEO Larry Bear. Larry, great to have you. How are you? Thanks, Mark. Great hearing from you and great being in the world of in July here where, uh, where we can come to the ballpark and um, still we're all careful in our lives, but... Uh, come and enjoy a ball game and, you know, relatively the same way that we used to pre-pandemic. Yeah, I know. I I feel very grateful. Right. The word normal and normalcy, we're still a little hesitant, but but we're getting there. And I wonder now that that we are here and and the ballpark is full, if you've taken a moment to kind of reflect on the year that's been and, and what it was like in your world and your business to not be able to welcome fans. A little bit, Mark. I mean, it was the full gamut, as, as you know. And and I don't mean to be any sort of, uh, you know, woe is us uh, sort of sentiment because there were people that suffered in the world a lot more than any of us, uh, you know, putting on games who were, who were, you know, very grateful to be healthy and a community that stayed relatively healthy. But, uh, you know, if you go back last year, uh, it was it was not – enjoyable being at a ballpark without fans. It was, I think, I don't know if you were there or not, but it was surreal. It felt like empty. And I think the players would say the same thing. And they, and there was competitive baseball and all of that, but it was just, it, 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 you just, you take for granted the feeling in the in a ballpark and what it means to a community and, and to, to just individual psyche to, to get away from office your troubles, your, you know, just have an escape and go to a ballpark and, and, and enjoy yourself at a ballpark. So, so that was the beginning was 
2020, no fans, so so nobody could go. And then this year, you know, I think we were a little bit of a microcosm to the San Francisco community where we were really careful. And um, we were probably of the 30 clubs. We were among the three or four that had the, the highest degree of precaution and the toughest protocols. But I think if you look at the numbers in our community, uh, it's paid off. So we, we followed strictly the health director's guidance. And um, now we're at full capacity and in a community where, uh, my goodness, you know, 80% vaccination, which is, you know, well beyond 30, 30% more than the national average, more than 30% and uh, very low case levels, but, but not zero, but very low case levels in our community. Yeah, I, I, I was there a, a time or two uh, throughout both empty and half capacity ballpark and it was totally eerie and so now having said that and, and looked at, uh, at what everything you know what everything looked like at that time how did it make you feel during the opening to full capacity against the A's to watch what unfolded that weekend it was I have to say when I walked in Friday night and um, it was a, a ways before the game but seeing the you know, music in Willie Mays Plaza and people high-fiving and and uh, people gathering and hugging and reacquainting themselves out in front of the ballpark before you even went in the ballpark. And then when you went in, you know, the, you know, people, your usher, your, you know, hot dog vendor, your ticket taker, even your security person is kind of a member of your community. And to re- see them reunited and, um, you know, most returned, and sadly, some people were ill during the, you know, and and weren't able to, aren't able to be with us, uh, and so there was some sadness, but there was there was a lot of joy in in the in the reconnection piece of it. I think that in many ways, um, you know, being in the in the sports business, and especially baseball, because of the number of games and the fact it's played during summer. Uh, and the and the fact that there's such a young component in the ballpark, there's so many kids in the ballpark getting autographs and, and running the bases on Sundays after the games, etc. That uh, in, in many ways that uh, you know baseball sort of personifies community, and that community reattached itself uh, that June 25th game against the A's. Uh, just a quick a quick uh, a quick anecdote. So if you remember, Mark. The two mayors, as it was a Bay Bridge series game, London Breed in San Francisco and Libby Schaff from Oakland throughout the first ball. And I would say in general, the over under for an elected official at a game is maybe a, a few innings. Right. <laughs> Mayor yeah. Breed and Mayor Schaff stayed all nine innings plus fireworks and had a ball and sat with us. And uh, it was, it was spectacular. And, uh, and I think that maybe says something about how it, how people felt to be back. Yeah, that's awesome. I was there that night too. Great, great night. And I and I couldn't help but think as as we all walked into the place, um, those of us on the outside probably have no idea all the conversations and all the work that that went into this. So, what was that like? What what if you could give us kind of a uh, a synopsis of what went into getting everything ready for that night. What, what comes to mind? Well, what, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is the the workers, right? Because uh, the people, the ballpark workers, I mean, we had, as I said, many people return. But the realities of the pandemic and the very sad realities is there are folks that 
either moved during the pandemic or took ill or retired uh, or changed jobs. So, for instance, if you're in the food service world, um, you know, maybe you you went to instead of working at and a lot of people that work at our ballpark at Oracle Park might also work at, at, at Oakland Coliseum and might work at Chase Center, et cetera. But with all of the facilities down, maybe you, you change jobs and maybe you be, were in the delivery world business and maybe you went to work for Amazon or maybe you worked, went to work for DoorDash or wherever. Uh, so, so it was a lot of retraining. And it was, it truly was like an opening day. We said it was a reopening, but so, we, so we had a lot of new folks, um, but they, they, they would, they performed beautifully and they were, they were, you know, really friendly. And the, the other thing is our fans. The other thing that the takeaway is our fans were so happy to be there that, you know, some of the lines were longer than we wanted, meaning yeah. that, you know, with the, that we did that either from the new workers being trained or, from uh, just not all the stands open because there were not the number of workers we, we wanted because we just couldn't get them hired fast enough or, or find them. Uh, you know, and that's been a, that's been throughout the American economy here uh, this summer that, uh, you know, that the fans were super patient and, you know, not irritated and, you know, took their time and were, um, and, and, you know, resilient, the word we, we, we like to use, I think the resiliency of this community showed that that night and the whole uh, three games against Oakland. Absolutely. And I, it's interesting because I wanted to ask you about that. I, I talked about it on the show that night about reminding ourselves or we get reminded about some of the things that we don't miss, getting in and out of a very full parking lot, going to the restroom, trying to get food. Uh, being shoulder to shoulder with other people like these, these are things that we, we we have to get used to again. So as you see that sort of become a part of our world again, uh, what what is the message to fans who, who may have concerns about all those things going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, I think what, what the message is that, um, you know, t- take care of yourself and be, you know, and, and, and continue to have the, you know, to, to, to have take the precautions that you feel necessary at the ballpark. Um, the message is it's, we've, we've made it, a, we believe, a very safe space. It's outdoors, and um, and we're going to do everything we can to accommodate you. If you have any issues or needs, let us know, um, either through texting the number you'll, you'll, you see up on the scoreboard if you have any needs. Uh, what's most important is we're in the customer service business. And we're in the business of winning baseball games, but we're also in the business of serving our fans. And so um, the one thing we, you know, we can't guarantee we'll go to the World Series every year. We would like to <laughs> this year uh, but, uh, and every year, but we'd like to go, but we can't guarantee that. But, but I think we can uh, guarantee that we'll have a, a, a safe and clean and service-friendly environment for everyone. So, uh, and, 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 and just ask you to be a little patient if you find that because of uh, whether it's um, worker shortages or whatever, it's not quite the service you're used to. We're, we're working hard, and I think with each game it's getting better, that's for sure. Uh, you mentioned the season that they're having, the, the team having a very special year, and I wonder if you think full-capacity fans will affect this in any way. Do you, do you sort of draw those lines? Is, is there an effect to full-capacity and the way that the team plays? Well, I, I listen to the, what the players say because, you know, I, it inspires me, but I'm not the one on the field. 
uh, and none of us in the front office are. But, uh, you know, what Gabe says and what the, the players and the coaches said, Buster and everyone, they all, they all say that it does make a difference, that, um, that it's the energy, it's the adrenaline. Because remember, you know, we get up each day and go to work or, you know, work from home or whatever. The baseball player life is <laughs> there are an awful lot of nights you're flying in at two in the morning, three in the morning. Uh, just earlier this week, this past week, uh, we had a game in Arizona. It turned out to be a Sunday night game, get in at 2, 3 o'clock, and then the next day is a day game uh, on July 5th. And, you know, when you are able to get – you get to the ballpark, there are going to be days you dra- that are drag days, but when you feel that energy of the fans, the 32,000 that showed up on July 5th for the day game against the Cardinals, uh, there's just a lot of energy and adrenaline delivered to the players. It makes you, I think, a little less tired and a little less – of a, of a hangover effect that you're going to have in the baseball world because there's an awful lot of those, you know, uh, landed two in the morning, uh, you know, routines. Larry, I want to ask you about the ballpark itself also. Uh, did, did you ever buy into all the talk about the right field gates being closed, kind of causing it to become more of a hitter's park, and now that things are getting back to normal and the ballpark's getting back to its old self, uh, how that might change the way the, the baseball is played. Yeah, it's debatable, Mark. I mean, it's a fun discussion. I, yeah. I think it's a fun discussion. I mean, we, you know, the realities of our lease are that that we have an obligation to sort of leave that port walk open. And, and it's only three, three uh, port walk festivals, but we, we need to leave them open. But, uh, you know, the, the measurement last year, remember the games last year, were July through September, right? The sixty the sixty game season. So um you're you're taking out when you do the measurement, you're taking out the heavy marine air months of you know April and, yep. and May. You know, albeit there is fog a lot of fog in July and August, you know, too. But uh so uh does it have an impact? Maybe. Maybe. I mean we think there's probably some impact. I think it may be slightly overstated. But um the one thing I know is that year one in our ballpark and really been true through the now this being the 22nd year in this ballpark is that we've always had a really strong home record in the first year of the ballpark we had the best record in in uh, home record in baseball and so i think that just on balance uh we, we we really do perform well at home and our record at home this year uh, with a part open and part closed, it's still really good. Right, right, absolutely. And and the ballpark, I was thinking about this too. Uh, to some fans, maybe these are only minor changes, but this is the first time since you guys redid a couple things at the ballpark that it's been full. The, the bullpens in the outfield, shorter triples alley, um, you know, some fan amenity, food changes as well. So what, what kind right. of early response are, are you seeing there? Really good, and stay tuned on. We, we, there's some things happening around that those new bullpen areas. Again, you know, as you point out, last we we did the uh, improvements of moving the bullpens to the outfield and creating some fan seating areas in the outfield right around the bullpens, very very close, kind of hugging hugging the bullpens, both home and visitor. And then uh, guess what? No fans, <laughs> so we couldn't right. couldn't really show it off last year uh but so this year we're going to we're working on a program where um i think you'll have you'll see those areas being very hot ticket areas because and and high demand areas because 
it'll be the fans will have really good access if you want to be around the Giants bullpen and provide support to our relief pitchers, or if you want to be around the the visitor bullpen and do what you might do around the visitor bullpen. Of course, all within safety and security. But uh, but uh, you know do the do the fun thing that uh, folks used to do down the the uh, first base line with the visitors bullpen. Uh, that's that's all good too. So you're going to find kind of that that uh, sort of club feel and that high energy in those areas. And I think that's one big improvement that you're going to find over time. Uh, we're going to be introducing some things in the second half uh, of the season now that we know we'll be at full capacity. You're inviting outfield fans to do the whoop, woo. Is that what you're saying, basically? <laughs> I, we're certainly not discouraging it. <laughs> you know, we uh, we talked earlier about the challenges that this presents and some remain. What about the opposite view of that? Is there anything that came to the ballpark or, or the process uh, for your team because of COVID protocols that you guys found that you like and, and plan on keeping? That's a really good question. Uh, you know, I mean, I think we can't keep this because of the, um, because of the needs of, of just access in and out. But, uh, you know, we, we, we had some really good sort of hitting outdoor hitting areas out in the players parking lot where it's just more batting cages and, and more areas to work out. I think that was, that was a really good development where we were able to, um, you know, physically get people into, into more sort of an outdoor setting for for uh, BP and for workouts. I think one thing, Mark, that just in general it isn't a physical change, but it's definitely a, a change in the the whole you know the working world is seeing it. Is we can be so well connected to our our colleagues, coworkers, and our fans uh, now that doesn't require physical connection now we want physical physical connection the physical connection is mission critical but the planning and all of that we've been able to do really in a a good way and you know we've had i think you've seen we've had chalk talks where we've been able to get keep the fans connected if if they live in sacramento a fan lives in the east bay or or the south bay and they may not be able to get into a say a fan, fan town hall they can uh, you know log on, and we had everything from celebrating Willie Mays' birthday with Dusty Baker and a whole amazing group Barry Bonds and a whole amazing group of of uh, you know of, of former Giants to uh, having uh, retrospectives from the the, uh, the five announcers that we love uh, to uh, you know across the board, and sometimes it's just not convenient for people to be able to access that physically and so we can do kind of a hybrid model of doing those some of those uh virtually and and uh we got great response when uh you know for instance Krook Kipe Krook John and Dave would be uh hosting a chalk talk and we'd have giant celebrities on Gabe Gabe was on must have been on half a dozen of them Mm. yeah Uh, awesome stuff I want to ask you also a little bit about the actual on-the-field product as, as, as fans sort of make plans for the rest of the year in terms of, of what they can expect. And I, I want to ask this question first. Do you buy the statement, the Giants are ahead of schedule? You know, I think that's, that's one thing that I know when um, we were talking to Farhan and, and all, um, we did not you – know, obviously – in sport, professional sports, you can't turn on a dime. So you're not going to have 
you know, snap your fingers and, and, and things. We had a rough year, you know, the year Farhan came in, in uh, 2019, the previous year was a rough year for the, for the franchise. Uh, and so, you know, when I, we weren't expecting immediate turn on a dime, but one of the things that really attracted us to, you know, Farhan and all the folks that Farhan has brought with him, uh, as well as many of the folks that have stayed is that you know, we weren't un- unwilling to write off a, a season, any season. So we didn't write off last year, and you know, we came one game from, away from making the playoffs. This year we're having a good year uh, and with a long way to go. And so we, I, I think it's important to – so I guess I would say I don't completely agree with that statement because we weren't really willing to write off any year. We feel like the fans are owed it. The, the, you know, the commitment to contend and you could say it, but by our actions, we mean it and we're doing it. And so I, I don't think ahead of schedule as much as, you know, a lot of the future planning is, is, is falling into place, but we're also into current pl- present planning and that's falling into place too. Yeah, and so how does future planning sort of get affected by the present? I think is on the mind of, of a lot of fans, and I know uh, it, it's it's Farhan and Scott Harris's job to to sort of set the aggressiveness level in terms of how much you're going for it. Uh, but from an ownership perspective, what what is what is the thought on on how aggressive to get to go for it now versus everything that's being set up for the years to come? I think we're in sync with Farhan and Scott and Gabe and the group. Uh, and that, and being in sync means that, um, you know, we respect the balance that you can't throw away the future by say unloading the, the farm system completely to, uh, you know, to, to, to go for it this year. But if you're in contention, uh, you've got to, you owe it to the fans, you owe it to the, the 25 guys in the clubhouse and the coaches and the staff to improve uh, the club as much as you can, if it's possible. So I think that there's a balance and I, in all the meetings I've attended and in all the discussions we've had, I think that we're, we're in that balance where um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an eye to both. Uh, But certainly, you know, if we get, we continue playing and putting ourselves in the position to qualify for, for a postseason birth, um, you know, we're, we're going to take that seriously. And we're going to take the responsibility that comes with that seriously. A lot of us think about the player experience and the fan experience with what we just went through. Well, what about the people who bridge those experiences? That would be the Giants' unmatched broadcast team who continue to deal with their own set of unique circumstances. Dave Fleming joined to talk about what it's been like through his eyes to watch the return of the Giants' fans. So what did you think of the return to full capacity over the weekend with the A's in town? <laughs> well, uh, it was fantastic. Uh, it, I've, I've enjoyed, I mean, I never thought that I would think a 10,000 person crowd was awesome, but uh, I've enjoyed having any fans back this year, but this weekend was something on a totally different level. And uh, I think, I mean, I, I think the play reflected it. We got some of the best, quality baseball that we've seen all season in a season where we've had tons of high quality baseball. Uh, the Giants played great. The A's played great. Uh, and I, I think the crowds were a factor. You know, Johnny Cueto loves pitching in front of a big crowd. Uh, I don't think there's a, any doubt that he pitched better than he has recently because of the way the ballpark felt on Friday night. 
Uh, that's interesting. I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, it almost felt like, you know, if somebody got an RBI hit, you watch them come to the dugout, uh, there was more intensity. There, there was more of a reaction. The high fives were a little harder. And, and so maybe that feeds into um, what players often say, which is that, you know, we're out here playing for the fans. I mean, what, what, what little idiosyncrasies did you notice uh, about the players playing in front of 35,000, 40,000 people? Yeah, I mean, I think Cueto would be one where Johnny, I thought, was more sharp, more focused, more intense right from the start. And I look, Johnny's been around for a long, long time. He's pitched in front of big crowds in big games for a, for a, a long career. Uh, so maybe as much as anybody, he would have been impacted by the lack of crowds and the lack of some of that adrenaline. And I think it, it showed in his performance you know, Duggar's reaction when he scored the run. We've had some big moments uh, for the Giants the last year and a half through, you know, 2020 and through the first half of this year. But I don't think we've had a reaction like that. Uh, and I think the crowd was a huge reason why. It's funny, uh, you know, Darren Chan, our producer on radio, uh, because, uh, you know, through all the really great moments this year the Giants have had, it's funny that Saturday was the first walk-off win. I mean, that kind right. of surprised me. I, right. I hadn't even really realized that, uh, I have to say, uh, because we've had so many thrills and so many great wins. But that was the first walk-off win. So D.C. pulled up the highlight of the last walk-off win from last August, and we were both chuckling just to hear the, the audio and like kind of the fake crowd noise sort of <laughs> delayed, uh, piped in, and – Good Lord, it was such an enormous difference. I, I, didn't, I did not really realize even how much we've been missing last year until now we got it back. And then you go back and listen to that. Because, you know, last year we were all just thrilled to have anything. We've been yep. sitting around for months and months. So, oh, we got baseball, and they're actually playing a season, and nobody's getting COVID, and isn't this great? But, man, when we went back and listened to that the other day, it was like, oh, well, let's let's kind of forget it. Let's forget about that year. Uh, we're yeah. happy it's 2021. So fake crowd noise sounded real until you put it up against real crowd noise. Basically, funny how that works, huh? Right. <laughs> so uh, if, if that's how it filters down to the players, I don't know if you know that people be interested in this. I think they are. How does it filter down to you? What What did it mean for for your daily job and process? Oh, I thought it was huge for me. Uh, I mean, it's, it, I, it makes the broadcast sound better, period, before we say a word. So the broadcast already sounds much better when you can turn on the radio, turn on the TV, and instantly, as a listener or a viewer, hear, feel that ambient sound of a big crowd. Like, oh, just the subliminal message that sends that this is a big event, this is a big game, something important is going on. That's apparent right away. Like, there's no mistaking that. So before we even say a word, already the broadcast sounds better when you got a full crowd in there. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is I don't think there's any question that our calls improve with some energy behind them. And you know, I'll speak for myself. I say ours. I mean, you know, I, I like to think we did a good job through all of this weirdness in making the broadcast still entertaining. But yes. Uh, the, you know, the last week of exciting calls to me have been the most exciting calls. <laughs> and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it helps to have the crowd reacting, uh, the walk-off that we've already talked about on Saturday. You know, the build-up when 
Duggar's rounding second and everybody's watching the ball and then checks Duggar and sees him flying around third. And then you see Wotus given the go sign that builds into a broadcaster's call. It certainly did into mine. And uh, I think it's better for it. How did this sort of adjust your anticipation going forward when you think about not just full crowds, but, oh, oh, oh by the way, the, the Giants have a pretty good record, and, and so it should be interesting to see what that all means with the, the two to three months to come. Yeah, it makes me really look forward to those last few weeks of the season. Not that we're not going to enjoy the weeks up ahead, because the Giants have to, you know, one thing, this is more of a baseball conversation, but uh, the Giants are going to have to keep the foot on the gas. That's just the reality in the division that they're in. They've built this great record. If they were in any other division, they'd be almost immune to a slump. I mean, it, they've banked so many wins now that if they were somewhere else, I, they'd be feeling like the playoffs are maybe not a certainty, but pretty darn close to it. And they're anything but a certainty with where they're playing. That's just the reality. So, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it does. I was already thinking this weekend, watching the Giants and the A's, of man, what are those Padres games of the last week of the year going to feel yeah. like? What are the Dodgers, you know, the last Dodgers games in San Francisco in early September going to feel like? Uh, I, I think the answer is they're going to feel like like the 2010 season did. Like this is a whole new deal for. Uh, almost like a new group of baseball fans. And, I, you know, that's another thing that I noticed. I don't know if you did too, but uh, I, it felt to me like there were some different folks out at the ballpark, you know, a more diverse, young. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just purely me sort of in, in my own head kind of looking for it anyway. And maybe I'm, I'm a little biased because I felt like, uh, we've attracted some new fans with this different team the last couple of years, but I felt like it was an energetic crowd in part because it's like there's a new group of San Francisco Giants fans that the last few years haven't been treated to a real pennant race and are now on board, whether they're newcomers or they've, you know, they're young adults who uh, now can go to games on their own or whatever it is. Uh, I felt like there was some new blood in the ballpark too, and that that, that makes me excited for the stretch run. Yeah, you might be on to something there. Now, I, listen, we're, we're inching closer and closer back to normalcy. There are still little things here and there. For instance, you know, the, the, the fact that you guys haven't, uh, haven't traveled this year. And you mentioned earlier the, the idea that, um, you know, we hope that we've still been able to put together an entertaining broadcast. You, you have, and I wonder if some fans don't even really realize what all goes into that, trying to do this on a monitor. Have you gotten used to it? What, what kind of challenges are coming with that? You know, we have gotten used to it. I will say this, funny phenomenon this week, because we had those two Angels games sort of yes. squeezed in the middle that were road games. Uh, and we have gotten used to it, but I found those two Angels games to be a little more challenging than usual uh, because now – We've had bigger live crowds, and it felt like more of a difference to me on Tuesday and Wednesday than it had before. We've sort of gotten used to the whole monitor thing, but then even when we were watching a game in front of us, if the crowd wasn't huge, to me it just felt almost like a, a monitor game in a weird way, like we could see stuff better. But now the I had to really work on those two games myself to keep my energy level up because I've now I've gotten used to 
having the crowd and the noise in the ballpark sort of jolt me. And when you're not there, even though we get great audio through our headsets, it's a different feeling. So it's in a weird, funny way now, having big crowds back at home is going to make these road broadcasts a little harder, I think, almost like at the start of the pandemic. But uh, but the big picture, yeah, unfortunately, I hate to even admit it, we have kind of gotten used to doing it. And I feel like I have at least a rhythm, a pattern of where to look, what to look for, how to do it a little differently watching on a TV screen. You bring up the games in Anaheim, so I've got to hear the story of Wednesday the 23rd. The game goes incredibly long. You've got another gig looming in the evening. <laughs> it just happens to be the two Giants rivals playing one another. How, how did this all go down for you? Yeah, it was a weird day. I mean, it was a long day. It was not a great day. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, we had talked about it a lot ahead of time with, you know, all the Giants front office people, the people, you know, all of us had talked about this for at length. And basically we concluded that, Look, with the new extra inning rules, I had an ESPN game scheduled for 7 o'clock. Our game was at 1. I live, you know, I can get to my house in 20 minutes, 25 minutes maybe if there's some traffic from the ballpark. So I, I live close by, it, you know. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do all my ESPN prep work ahead of time. I'll check in with the folks in Bristol and uh, we'll get the tech stuff uh, on in the morning because I have this home set up where I do my ESPN games from. And I thought, you know, really, truly, with the new extra inning rules, there's really no way for this to go. Well, I don't know. We probably thought there's a one in a thousand chance of something truly right. goofy happening. <laughs> and, and, the, and the one in a thousand chance hit. I mean, it's the longest game since the new extra inning rules have been implemented. Uh, it was one of the weirdest games I think we've ever seen, ever, uh, with all kinds of stuff going wrong and right in both ways for the Giants to keep the game actually going. So, it, you know, as it crept on, you know, it was 515, uh, even even once it got to 5 o'clock, I, I start texting people going, <laughs> uh, yeah. do we have, you know, what's our true emergency plan? Because basically what we came to was uh, this is, we're going to be fine. I, even if I have to speed home and – wrap everything up, and I get home at 6 o'clock, I can do the ESPN game no problem if I get home at 6 o'clock. Well, hell, it's 5, it's 5.15, then it's 5.30, and, you know, I'm clearly not going to be home at 6 o'clock. The game's still going from Anaheim, and God love uh, Darren Chan because he coordinated with the, the NBC Bay Area folks, and we once the Giants took that big lead, we thought, okay, now we can simulcast the final half inning. Uh, I can at least not get fired from ESPN and get home and start the game. And I think it worked out okay. John sort of did a half radio, half TV call for the last uh, half inning. It was a pretty quick half inning. They did the post-game show without me. I did my backpack on, running shoes on, sprint to my car, speed home, and I sat down probably at about 6.30 uh, did a quick rehearsal, made sure. I, I actually had my wife while I was on my way home. She went down to the home studio and did the lip sync audio check with them to make sure the audio was working. So she helped me out a little bit. 
and uh, and then we did the game. <laughs> it's a long day. <laughs> and the Dodgers lost. See, you said it wasn't a great day. I was like, but the Giants won and the Dodgers lost. It's a great day. Come yeah. on. <laughs> it was. It, 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 it was. You know what? It'll be a day I'll never forget. Right. And the broadcast. I think the broadcasts were both good, uh, and, but it was just so so stressful there because I look. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was leave the Giants broadcast. I did not want to do that, and nobody wanted to have to do that. Was it the end of the world? It was not the end of the world. It just didn't seem like the right thing to do. But at that point, I just don't think there was much of a an option. So that was that was the the only avenue we had. And in the end, thank God we did pull it off. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, you referenced earlier the walk off win in Game Two in the series against the A's and I'd love to spotlight that for just a second because the fact that it was the first walk-off of the year and it came in front of a full capacity stadium against uh, the, the team from across the bay uh what what a moment and and so I wonder just what your sort of uh impressions and emotions were from that moment well I also thought that uh it was important for the Giants team because for all the things they've done well extra innings have not been great on the Giants right. since these new rules have been implemented and there are probably a lot of reasons for that, but for some reason, this Giants team with all these great at-bats, you know, you and I have talked about it many times. Of uh, so In some ways, the hallmark of this franchise right now is just everybody they plug in there is going to give you a competitive, tough at-bat and try to swing at the right pitches and do some damage. If you get a pitch, you can do it on. And like that's what the team is built on in a lot of ways. And for some reason, these last two years, in extra innings, those things have sort of gone out the window, and the Giants have saved like their worst at bats for the extra inning yeah. games. And somehow, somehow they've won some of them. You know, it's not like they're o for extra innings. They have won a few of these games, but the, but some of them have been just totally agonizing games. And so, you know, the Giants came up having to score at least one to keep the game going. That has not been a given with this team. So I thought that was part of it too was not just that they won the game in front of the big crowd, got the walk-off moment, Duggar and Casale, two you know, more of the unsung heroes of this team coming through, but also the fact that almost like they exercised some demons a little bit. That's how you're supposed to do it in extra innings. You're the home team. Don't just make it a one-run inning. Score a couple and win the game right there. That's what it's supposed to look like with these new extra inning rules. And so I thought it was like, it was two things. It was the excitement of the moment, and it was also for this team proving that, hey, maybe maybe now we can handle these extra inning games. I wonder how you feel these crowds uh, from that series compare with basically the last full capacity crowds we saw going all the way back to 2019 uh, because that was a very different Giants team at, at a very different season that was nowhere near as exciting as this one is is shaping up to be. So, what what about that comparison? Yeah, good question. I mean, it was a it was a it was a good season. Twenty nineteen seems like it's so long ago right. now. Uh, you know, Bruce Bochy's final year, and that was a big part of the story of the home stretch that year. And the Giants were technically in it until the last weekend, but um, you know, they really were not in the race the way that we think they're going to be this year or even that they were last year but it was still you know the Giants played better than expected in 2019 so we had some fun times at the park and they did have a lot of dramatic wins you know that was a year where they did have some walk-offs and some late inning thrills at home and uh, but I thought this was a totally different level this weekend and you know 
they have the best record in big league baseball. It's one of the best starts in franchise history. All this stuff is going well, that's for sure. But I also thought that there was an element of, I mean, I, I, the, the sing-alongs were louder. Take me out to yeah. the ball game was louder. The dance-offs in between innings were louder. The starting lineup introductions were louder. It, people are just so ready to be back together out in public doing fun things, not just with your family, but with a group of people out on the town enjoying San Francisco. Why do we all live here? We live here because of nights like Friday night and Saturday night. Like yeah. it's a great city to be in when – when the talent is alive and I, I have to think that that's going to carry all summer long. I do. I, cause I, you know, even yesterday you and I are talking here, I don't know when this is going to post, but you and I are talking on Monday. Uh, and so even Sunday's game where the giants were, you know, lose and didn't muster much on offense, people stayed all the way to the end and were just thrilled to be out there. So I think that's kind of a sign of what's to come for the rest of the summer. Well, and I wonder if you think it is just a thrill to be there thing or if you think crowds are, are ready for playoff fever. It, I, I'm still trying to figure out, is, is there maybe a playoff fever or are people still in a state of shock over, <laughs> over how well the team is playing? Yeah, it's probably a combo of both, but I think you're right about the latter. I mean, and in some ways, the most fun sports team – you know, it's really fun to be a fan of a team that's a powerhouse. And the Giants were a powerhouse for a while. And the Warrior, Warriors certainly have had some years where, you know, they're winning almost every single game. And it's it's fun when you're just steamrolling people. And uh, it's like, man, how, how many more no-hitters can we throw? How many more, uh, you know, great accomplishments can we see on the field? Championships can we win? That's fun. But I think the most fun thing in sports is an unexpected team an underdog team it just you know there's just something about it and that's what we have this year so I think you might be right where uh you know there's definitely pent-up energy just to get out and have fun but the energy around this particular baseball team is is different and everywhere I go in town I mean that people are talking about it people are you know how are they doing it what about this guy what about Lamont Wade what about uh, Stephen Duggar's resurgence. How about Kevin Gosman? You know, people are talking about this team uh, in a way that w- would have been hard to anticipate at the start of the year. It's a it's a team with some veteran stars, but in a way, it's the other guys that have excited Giants fans almost as much as anybody. And and that you know that's a powerful thing. I think a whole city can get behind kind of an underdog team pushing to to get somewhere that nobody expected them to get. Dave, it's great flavor to uh, the entire picture and the whole situation. I know I speak for all Giants fans and say you guys did an unbelievable job of keeping it entertaining uh, through all these moments with some fans, with no fans, but uh, but it does sound at its best when all the fans are there as well. So glad we're back. Thank you so much for talking it out. Isn't it amazing how – oh, Dave, great call on that uh, you know walk-off where <laughs> – 40,000 people are exploding. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Right. It was a, I guess it was, huh? Yeah. All you <laughs> have to tell you, yeah, just line drive to left, uh-huh. and that's it. Just sit there. <laughs> Giants win. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, thank uh, goodness. And uh, and I just, I've, I've been tickled by this year. It's just been so fun uh, to be around the team, and uh, I can't wait for 80 more games and hopefully some playoff games in that ballpark. Wouldn't that be something? 
Okay, quick pause to tell you about our sponsor, T-Mobile, one of our favorite partners because of how relevant they are to Giants fans. Because you're never far from McCovey Cove when you've got America's largest and fastest 5G network. In other words, T-Mobile is your ticket to the game, whether you're home or away. The Giants are big league. Why don't you come on up and join them? Switch to T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Fastest 5G by Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA 5G Experience Report January 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. Finally, how does it feel on the field to finally have all those seats filled again? No cardboard cutouts, no fake crowd noise. Mike Ostremski shared what it means to him and the team to have all that support back in the building. Give me a sense of, of what it was like to take the field on that Friday night against the A's as the place was full for the first time in like two years. Yeah, um, that was that was honestly a special moment, you know, being able to to go out and have, you know, 38,000, 40,000 strong and finally having that big adrenaline rush of like, all right, man, like we're, we're kind of back to normal. This is, this is awesome. Um, and, and your very good friend Tony Kemp was, was on the other side for that entire series. I know that night you guys also – uh, watch the fireworks together after the game. What, what, what was that sort of experience, the, the series as a whole, like for you? It's awesome. You know, you, uh, to be able to, to play in the big leagues is one dream come true, to be able to do it with some of your best friends in the entire world. You know, to have Kurt on the team, to have Tony on the other side of the field. You know, these are guys that I've known for 10-plus years and – here we are on on the biggest stage doing this thing which is so crazy to think about you know it's it's always a pipe dream and you always talk about it as we were playing in college and saying you know wouldn't that be crazy wouldn't it be crazy and now all of a sudden it's a reality (laughs) and it's just like it's just funny to to be competing against each other at this level i was also thinking about this with with regard to your specific situation um and wondering how much you feel like you've gotten to actually connect on a face-to-face basis with the Giants fan base. You had that half of a season plus with them in 2019, uh, but then only this year as fans start to trickle back in. Do you feel like you're still in kind of a get-to-know-each-other phase? (laughs) To an extent, yeah, but um, I think we're connected through the game. You know, I think that even even if you're not – physically there if you're watching at home or if you're a fan of any sorts there's still a connection so i think that's a special thing that players have with the fans is that you don't have to always physically be there to to be having that connection uh what about actual fan interactions though and this can be uh, at home or or on the road I, i would imagine that's sort of returning to your your daily process have you had any uh especially interesting fan interactions there's been a couple, um, but it was funny when when it was at like 50%, it was almost like worse. You know, having the full crowd, at least there's a buzz that kind of, um, you know, creates this like haze over all the, the noise that's actually being directed at you. So it's kind of nice to have everybody back in here to, to settle that down because the first, you know, the first month or so when there was like 40%, 50%, you could hear everybody's voice so clearly. <laughs> and no no matter what was being said or what was being thrown at you, you were hearing it. 
I, I noticed that. You never know for sure if you could. Like, I remember opening weekend, I think the Rockies were in town, and uh, and I had some, some seats that were pretty down close, and there were some loud hecklers. I mean, they were mainly after the Rockies players, but there were some loud hecklers, <laughs> and it was so cavernous that I was like, my gosh, I'm sh- they, they can all hear that for sure, but <laughs> you're, you're confirming it for me. That was true, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we could definitely hear it, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, you told me last year when there were no fans, I'll, I'll never forget this conversation, that, that you guys in the dugout sometimes almost had to find ways to fire yourself up because the anxiety that comes with performing in front of fans wasn't there. So what about now with the fans back? How does that compare and, and how has your process changed? Um, it took a little bit to get used to. You know, like we uh, – I mean – for me specifically, I remember being in Seattle and hearing the crowd for the first time, and I was like, all right, this is go time again. But I got, like, so jacked up that I couldn't focus. I had to I had to do the opposite of last year and figure out how to reel myself back in and get my heart rate down. And um, you, you almost had to, like, practice being in big moments again and to figure out, like, how to control your body. So um, it was it was definitely, like, a little adjustment, but I'm, I'm glad it's, it's back to the way it should be. That's really interesting because I I remember talking to you at that time and and you had had the uh, the 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 hand bruise there from late spring training to start the season and a little bit of a slow start to the season which I think most of us in the media and fans we attributed to the fact that your hand had gotten hit but but maybe was some of it what you just mentioned also just kind of getting used to a, a new normal again? Yeah, it could have been. You know, um, it's it's interesting to do the same job in different settings all the time. You know, it's when you're, when you're having to go out there and do essentially the exact same thing, but expected to do it with nobody watching them to do it with 50,000 people watching. Um, it changes things, you know, it, it changes your, your mindset. It changes your heart rate. It changes, you know, your, how comfortable you are. Um, you're not able to talk to the guy next to you without having to scream or trying to get their attention. There's so many different factors that go into it. Um, but it's just, honestly, it's just great to have him back. Uh, this will be fun memories for you to discuss. I, I was thinking about that walk-off homer you hit against the Padres last year. It was almost exactly a year ago, and you did it in front of an, a completely empty place. So a walk-off homer <laughs> with nobody screaming. Uh, a few weeks ago, you have that game-changing grand slam in the comeback against Arizona. Not full capacity, but fans were there. How did those two experiences differ? Um, let's see. I, I would say for some reason that grand slam felt like such a bigger moment than than anything that I've had up until this point in the big leagues. I don't know why. It just felt like I was kind of on the ropes. I was struggling. I needed to kind of find myself. And then also, you know, we found ourselves in a situation that we, you know, didn't really necessarily want to be in, obviously. And I think that kind of turned things around for me mentally. It was like uh, one of those things that just got me right and got my mindset back to where I needed to be and was able to go back and just compete again. Have you watched the highlight of it? Because I felt that you could almost see it. Like you're, the, the bat drop, when you connected with that ball, it, it looked like a huge weight fell off your shoulders. 
<laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true. You know, I I kind of base my self-evaluation off of my performance on how much I help the team. And, you know, the only thing that I want to do when I show up to the ballpark is make sure that I help the team win on that day. And so that was kind of one of those things that needed to happen where I felt like I wasn't doing that a whole lot. And I finally played a bigger role than what I've been doing. And it, it just kind of helped me out in that sense. And then Casale's one of the guys waiting for you, too, when you got back to home plate. <laughs> of course he was. Of course I think, he was. I think, his, uh, I think his exact quote was, do something cool today. <laughs> well, so that I, was pretty... I think that uh, I think that classified as cool. Uh, yes, it definitely did. Um, when we last had fans going to ball games, you were kind of a, a, a brand-new player as, as far as the road crowds were concerned, a relative unknown now you've made a very big name for yourself and you certainly have a presence on the Giants team and and the team's got the best record in ball so how how has that sort of changed the way road fans are treating you um hasn't really changed much on how they're treating me um you know some of the I think there's more information that's been out there now that now that I've been around for another year, you know, so there's more ammo that these guys are using. So yep. I think I think that would be about it. You know, not really as much on the more focused on me part because it's it's mostly about where you play, anyways, right? So if you're if you're playing in right field at Dodger Stadium, the focus is on you, regardless of right. if you've been up there for ten years or for ten days. You know, like that's that's the hot spot. So. Um, Kind of just comes with the territory. Uh, how do you guys feel collectively that the fans are are affecting whatever it is you guys are doing this year? Like, what what does their presence do for you guys in an actual baseball sense? Um, I think the the best way to put that is you can feel momentum. You know, when uh, when things start to turn our way and the fans really get into it you start to feel the game and the momentum shift and you can almost sense what's about to happen um so i think they play a huge role in in the fact that they make it a tough environment for other teams to come in and play not because you know of any like uh, we don't really have too bad a heckling here but like just the energy you can feel that this that this fan base loves their Giants so much that it's almost like they're ready to jump over the stands and win the game with us. So yeah. um, that's it's just a good feeling to have. Uh, yeah, for for a kid that grew up in Boston, uh, the heckling in San Francisco probably doesn't feel like much, huh? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I also wonder this though: that the team has become so much about process, right? This coaching staff. Uh, the way you guys approach things at the plate, uh, even the way they construct the roster, it's a process, and it's been shown to be a really good one. Uh, but that fan component that you just mentioned sort of would seem to be an emotional connection. How, how much room is there on, on this team for, for that kind of a thought, more, more of an emotional, sort of a touchy-feely kind of a thought? Um, you know, I, I've kind of – thought about this a lot and thinking about how teams have success and what makes, you know, more talented teams less successful and less talented teams more successful and all these 
you know, sorts of different aspects. And I think that what it comes down to is just like we have such a good group of guys that nobody drags about being at the field. No one, no one wants to go home early. No one doesn't like being here. We all like being around each other. Um, the staff that, that this organization has put together for us is second to none. And it's, it just makes it, I think that's like the biggest emotional connection is that like we've already made one. And so if the fans can kind of buy into that, that thought of us being a family as well, then I think that that's something that creates an even stronger emotional connection that'll kind of keep us going in that way. That's a really thoughtful answer. I, I, I love that. Um, have you spent any time daydreaming about what the building might look like filled in October? <laughs> no, can't do that. That's a, that's a one-way ticket to disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about September? I mean, it'll be filled in September. You guys are going to have something that you're shooting for. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be incredible, but um, – the only way that we've been winning these games is by focusing on just one one pitch at a time, one at bat at a time, and guys have really bought into that. So that's kind of created created this sense of don't panic and just kind of keep chugging one pitch at a time, and we'll get through it. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review, and share this episode with your friends and family. To make sure you never miss these exclusive conversations each week, subscribe and follow the Inside Giant Moments podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.